This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Summer is in full swing, and here at Saturday to Sunday, we have officially, for now, turned the pages from the 2020 NFL Draft to the next phase of our offseason, which is we have two different series that we that always happen during the months of July and the early months of August, and that is the Dynasty Stock Report series. So it's an opportunity to kind of me to have this eight-part series where I go division by division, sharing my thoughts on just about every relevant offensive player for Dynasty and my overall takes on them, stock up, stock down, stock neutral, who am I buying, who am I selling, who I think is maybe you know is best for one year in redraft, stuff like that. Eight parts, every single division, every single relevant offensive player, their short podcast, hopefully in the 20 to 25 minute range, their solo podcast, where I share my thoughts on just about every player. Uh, here at Saturday Sunday, we rarely get a chance to talk about a lot of the guys who are established in the NFL as we usually transition from Saturday to Sunday, talk about them for a year or so, and then really only bring them up. You know, when we're talking about teams drafting them and how they fit in the landscape of a roster or a depth chart or needs of a team, we don't really get a chance to kind of dissect the entire landscape of the NFL. So these this eight-part series kind of allows our listeners, you know, a little bit behind the curtains in terms of our general feels on a lot of these players in the NFL. Obviously, there's so many other great podcasts out there to talk about the NFL and Dynasty year-round. We don't talk about a lot of the NFL guys year round. We check in on the rookie class, you know, sometimes the second year guys, but for the most part, we focus on the college guys, the NFL draft, and then that first year they're in the NFL. So this series kind of lets us, you know, kind of talk about these guys a little bit, which is fun to share our thoughts, things that we do in our own dynasty leagues, you know, at home and stuff like that, or in the industry. Uh, So it, it gives us an opportunity and a platform to kind of talk about a lot more players. And then also Matt always has his seminar series where he is joined by so many great guests, you know, really dissecting, you know, the inner workings of trying to figure out a different way, a better way to maybe evaluate players, his player problem solver paradigm, his movement stuff, you know, all of that. And so many great guests in so many different industries who he brings on to dissect the physiology, the science, all that behind it. And he's going to have that series as well, you know, in late July and early August. And then after these two series that we put out, then we will turn the page to the 2021 draft prospects, which Let's be honest, it, it could be interesting to see what happens this year in terms of whether or not there is a college football season. But, you know, I am grinding tape I'm through 30 2021 prospects, 18 quarterbacks, uh, 12 tight ends, fully established scouting reports for the next uh, scouting notebook, our premium content uh, that will come out sometime in September. Uh, I am ready this afternoon to turn the page and start looking at some running backs and then obviously the wide receivers. But before we get to those 20, 2021 prospects, like I said, we're going to do the eight-part Dynasty stock series and then Matt's summer seminar series, which will again look at the player problem solver paradigm. But 
more looking at evaluations in terms of prospects and players, you know, guys like Saquon Barkley or Kyler Murray and how you could use that problem solver paradigm to better understand these prospects and evaluate these prospects. So I'm going to kick it off tonight with the NFC East. So right at the top, you know, I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. So obviously the first team in the NFC East is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, You know, when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to say, even though his stock is high, I still think stock up and I'd go buy Dak Prescott. I think eventually they will figure out a long-term deal. Maybe not this offseason. The latest sounds like he's going to have to play on the franchise tag, but I don't think Jerry Jones lets him get out of the building. If there is an NFL season, I expect Dak Prescott to be a flat-out superstar this year with the addition of C.D. Lamb. I expect him to potentially be in the running for the MVP of the league. So wherever he's ranked, I think that value or greater than would be Dak Prescott. And if I could still get him, I would rather have him right now than Kyler Murray. I'd rather have him right now than I think Russell Wilson, Uh, you know, in terms of dynasty. I like Kyler Murray a lot. I like Russell Wilson, but I think if Dak Prescott is in Dallas for the long haul over the next, you know, three to five years with those weapons, I think Dak Prescott could outperform them. And I love both those other guys, but I just think his value is really high right now. In terms of Ezekiel Elliott, listen, he's one of the, he's one of the top backs in Dynasty for sure after Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. You know, but again, he, he's starting to he's starting to get to the point where in another year or so, you maybe start to think about does somebody make a really big Godfather type offer in, in in Dynasty? And if so, do I consider it? And I think you do, but I think right now, with how explosive that offense is gonna be, I would not want to be out on Ezekiel Elliott for the next year or two. Uh I think you could consider it a year or so from now, but I think, you know, with that offense, we're talking about a guy who has fifteen to twenty touchdown potential. So I would be high on him. A guy I would buy is Tony Pollard on the cheap, if he's coming on the cheap. I think Tony Pollard, there could be a role for him, and I understand they have a lot of mouths defeated the receiving game, but I think Tony Pollard is is a very skilled player who can do a lot on the football field, and I think he could carve out a niche and have some value there, and if people are kind of down on how little he was used last year, I think he's a skilled player that I would be intrigued to get him on my dynasty roster right now. At the wide receiver position, I would say Amari Cooper is a hold right now. I know some people are very down on Amari Cooper. I think he's going to have a very good statistical year. I'm higher on him than most. I think there's plenty to go around in that offense. So I'd be buying uh, Amari Cooper if people are down on him. But I think his value did not really drop much with the with the drafting of C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup, I think right now he's a buy. And his stock right now, while his stock is going down in the perspective, I think he'd be a buy for me right now because I think he's very talented. I think there's enough to support three wide receivers there. And I think in two years from now, it's not inconceivable that Dallas moves on from Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb are the long-term starters in Dallas for the duration of Dak Prescott's you know, probable career there if they figure out the long-term contract extension. So I am not down on Michael Gallup at all. If anything, I would use this opportunity to buy him lower than I think his true value is. We've seen how talented and skilled he's been early in his career. I think that the drafting of C.D. Lamb has created a window where you can go buy Michael Gallup significantly cheaper than you would have been able to buy if they had not drafted C.D. Lamb. Uh, 
tight end, I'm, I'm, I would say I understand people are excited about Blake Jarwin, but he would not be a guy I'm going to buy. I think he could have some productive tight end two weeks. He's going to be a tight end two, and he could have some productive tight end one weeks is what I meant to say. But Blake Jarwin is not a guy who I'd want to actively be trying to buy on my roster. If someone's excited by him, I would even be willing to sell Blake Jarwin because I do believe that some people are looking at him as stock up. I think it's about stock neutral, and I think – there could be less targets to go around for the tight end in that Dallas offense with, uh, you know, obviously Kellen Moore still there calling the plays, uh, but with Mike McCarthy there, I think it's going to really revolve around those wide receivers. I think Blake Jarwin will have some moments, but he's not a guy I'd actively be wanting to try to get on my roster. And if someone's excited about him, I'd actually be looking to sell him. Uh, so that's kind of my thoughts on Dallas. If we take this next to the New York football giants, uh, I think Daniel Jones right now is still a buy. I don't think he is being uh, valued as high as he should in in dynasty circles. I don't think he's being evaluated as high as he should in redraft circles. Uh, You know, I think the pre-draft narrative and bias similar to Josh Allen is still holding true for Daniel Jones. And if he has a really good year this year, maybe that'll go away. But there also is a possibility that he is status quo this year because learning a new offense, uh, everything going on with COVID, the lack of offseason and mini camps. But I still think Daniel Jones showed enough in year one to show that he's got a high ceiling for fantasy football. And he could be a guy who you add in his rushing ability and his athleticism to his passing acumen. And I think he could be a very, very good, strong QB one, maybe never a top five or top six guy, but I think he could live in that seven to 10 range, seven to 11 range. You know, I think he could be a QB one in that range. Think about where guys, you know, like Matt Ryan lived for a long time, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Philip Rivers at his peak years. I think Daniel Jones could be in that area and he's got more rushing ability than all of those guys. So I think Daniel Jones would be a buy right now if people are still down on him and concerned because of pre-draft bias and pre-draft narrative that wants to see him fail and not give him credit for what should have been considered a very, very strong rookie season besides the fact that he had fumbles, a correctable thing, 24 to 12 touchdown interception ratio on a really poor team with a poor O-line and no true number one receiver and a banged up Saquon. I think if people didn't if people didn't have such a strong dislike for Daniel Jones before the draft, people would be applauding that rookie season as being very, very successful and people would be ecstatic. If Sam Darnold had a year like Daniel Jones had last year, people would be on the verge of saying Sam Darnold was on the verge of being a star in this league. And he, and people still think Sam Darnold's going to be a star and he's not had a year even comparable to Daniel Jones's rookie season in his first two years in the league. And he's got his own handful of issues too with the supporting cast, the coach, and all that as well. So I'm not ready to say give up on Sam Darnold. It's just, it's very interesting, the narrative on how people spin things based on pre-draft takes. And it really does hold a lot of weight for a lot longer than it should. At the running back position, I think Saquon Barkley has a chance to be the overall RB1 this year. Obviously, I understand why Christian McCaffrey is going ahead of him, but I do think Saquon Barkley is is in the conversation. I think he should definitely be dynasty running back number two. So if he's not being valued that way, I would say he's a buy, but obviously, you know, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. You know, I think we're going to see arguably over the next couple of years, him become, you know, a consensus every single year of say he's healthy, you know, number one, number two, or number three back in terms of fantasy points scored. He could do it on the ground. He could do it 
receiving. He can handle the workload near the goal line. There's nothing he really can't handle. So if he's not being appropriately valued as one of the top overall dynasty assets and the number two running back, and maybe even for some number one, I think he's being misvalued uh, by the consensus. In terms of the wide receivers, very tough to figure out this wide receiver group, to be honest with you. I think Darius Slayton, you know, people are a little hesitant to buy into Darius Slayton. And it kind of goes back to pre-draft narratives. Pre-draft narratives, he was a day three pick. Some people liked him a lot. I think Dane Brugler was the highest I had seen him uh, on him. People thought he was maybe, I think Dane thought he was a third round pick or value. And, you know, he went in the fifth round and he really had a strong year. And I understand a lot of it was circumstances, a lot of injuries, suspensions, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Hurt, Ingram, you know, Hurt. So I, I get it. But I do think his talent rose to the occasion as a rookie. So maybe it's not this year. Maybe this year is status quo. Or maybe even regresses this year. I'm sure he will regress in the touchdown category. But Darius Slayton, people people are not overvaluing Darius Slayton because his rookie year. If anything, they're being cautious. So I think this is an opportunity to buy him. And if you don't buy him now, I think you might have a window during the season or at the end of the season to buy him for lower as well. And I would want him on my roster. Do I think he's going to be the long-term Giants number one? No. I think the Giants might be in the market next year for, for number one, maybe in the draft. But I think he could I, he could establish himself as a very good number two wide receiver for the Giants. Maybe then Sterling Shepard becomes a number three if he stays healthy and they try to get themselves a true number one. But I think Darius Slayton could be valuable in fantasy. He could attack vertically down the field. He's got good ball skills. He's got great speed. So I think Darius Slayton is an opportunity there right now. I think Sterling Shepard, I'd probably say stock neutral. Uh, I still love the player, but he's got a lot of risk associated with him. But the concussion history, you don't know if he has another concussion. Could it cost him the whole year? You know, Could it cost him to retire, unfortunately? So I would be very cautious about Sterling Shepard and buying him. I wouldn't If I had him on my team and I got a good offer, I'd probably move him as much as I do like the player. Uh, but he would not be a guy I'm actively going to buy because I'm concerned about the concussion stuff. Golden Tate, I think, is a nice buy if you need a guy for one year. If, if you're a team that's not contending this year, I would try to sell Golden Tate for something because I think this is probably his last year with New York. I can't imagine he's locked into a big role. If he signs another contract with someone next year, probably would go in as a number three wide receiver. I think his best fantasy days are over, but I do think this year he presents good value in redraft leagues or in best ball leagues. I still think he was very productive when he was on the field last year. I just wonder if Slayton continues to improve if Shepard stays healthy if Evan Ingram stays healthy is there enough to go around but where he's going in redraft and best bowl leagues I still think Golden Tate is value but I would sell if I can get something of substance form in dynasty leagues in terms of the tight ends uh Evan Ingram I'm still saying he's a buy and I'm still saying he's a buy because I still think we haven't seen the best of Evan Ingram and I think some people have him appropriately valued and other people have him too low. I think after the the clear guys, after the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, you know, Mark Andrews group, I think Evan Ingram is right there in the mix. I think he belongs still there right in the mix with Darren Waller. I think right now I'd still have Zach Ertz higher, higher than him, but I, I think after Zach Ertz, maybe at number four, I think Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, those are my five, six in terms of dynasty. And I think Evan Ingram is still set to have If he can stay healthy for 16 games, I think you could see a monster statistical season from him. Even with the weapons the Giants have, I think he can have the most productive relative to their position of all their skill players. I do think he has that potential in terms of the pass catchers, not so much comparing him to Saquon Barkley, but I do think that. And on the flip side, I'd also be buying Caden Smith 
if the cost is super cheap because there is also been enough narrative that Evan Ingram is a guy that the Giants are uncertain. They picked up his fifth year option, but if he's not, if they don't have long-term plans, do they let him play out that fifth year option or do they trade him? And he would have a big trade market, especially if he stays somewhat healthy this year. The athleticism, the pass catching ability, but Caden Smith showed last year he can play in this league. He played way better than anyone expected of him. Late round pick with the 49ers that the Giants picked up off waivers, you know, off a practice squad. So I think Caden Smith is intriguing. He showed the ability while he's not very athletic to find a way to get open. And I think he could be a guy that at some point could have some value in fantasy you know, maybe it's with the Giants, maybe down the line it's not with the Giants, but on deep, deep leagues where you have, you know, taxi squads and can stash guys or tight end premium leagues, I'd be intrigued a little bit by Caden Smith for sure. If I take this to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, let's start the quarterback position. I think Carson Wentz, I think, I think his stock right now, because of the receivers they've added and, and playmakers, I think his stock is, is up. And I think he is coming at a decent value this year. So where you can, the cost probably to get him in dynasty or the cost to get him in dynasty startups or the cost to get him in redraft or best ball, I think he's presents tremendous value. I think people forget just how good he was not that long ago. He was on his way to winning the MVP to leak. So the only thing that we could be a little bit concerned does is does Jalen Hurts come in and, and have some type of Taysom Hill role where he steals some, you know, touchdowns from him where they do some gadget plays and stuff like that. But I'm not going to let that concern me enough to devalue Carson Wentz in any way, shape or form. Uh, for me, he's still a top eight, top 10 overall dynasty quarterback. I'd be looking to get him, especially if, People have some question marks in terms of durability and health. If some people are spooked off by the Jalen Hurts uh, pick, I'd be a little bit, you know, uh, I'd be trying to aggressively get Carson Wentz on my roster. Uh, in terms of Miles Sanders, listen, I think Miles Sanders. I think he's set to explode this year. I just recently completed the Scott Fishbowl draft and Miles Sanders was my second round pick after Dalvin Cook in the first. I think Miles Sanders is set to have a breakout year like Dalvin Cook did last year. So I don't think I understand Doug Peterson. People say he wants to have a committee. Yeah, maybe, but maybe he didn't have a skill guy. Scott as good as Miles Sanders to have a guy who could handle 70%. And I don't think he's going to handle 80%. You give him 15 or 16 carries a week and three to four catches, and he's in that 18 to 20 range, I think he's going to be a stud running back for the Eagles behind their offensive line and in that offense. And right now, he's being valued at that, so I don't think he'd come cheaply. But if there are some people concerned about him, concerned that he's never going to be the, the workhorse, I would go to those people who are concerned, and I'd go get him for sure. Uh, maybe they signed Devontae Freeman or Lamar Miller. Okay, Devontae Freeman would concern me a little bit, but that would be a temporary one-year thing. I still think he could be an RB1, even if a guy like Devontae Freeman or Lamar Miller was signed. I understand there's some concerns. He's, his game translated in year one, even though he still is showing some developmental areas and, and concerns, the same he did in college, the vision, the natural running back feel. He's not a very natural runner at the moment, and he doesn't have great vision. But it, but he already showed that he can he, he can translate from college to the NFL game just on his natural athleticism, his rushing ability, his 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 quickness, his agility, his pass catching ability, and that was still with his vision and natural running ability still a question mark. When guys translate from the from college to the NFL, the same way they performed in college, they perform immediately in the NFL. To me, that's a big win. Now, everything else they do 
is, is bonus. He's already shown that his game translated. Now, if he can develop and work on the one area that I think stood out the most with him in terms of his college film, trying to be Saquon Barkley, not seeing things, trying to do too much, if he can corral that in a little bit and show some growth there, now we're talking about a big-time running back. So I would get Miles Sanders wherever I can get him. I think Boston Scott, he'd not be a guy I'd really want to go get. I don't think he's the long-term backup there. I would be very hesitant to think that like he's the handcuff you know, for the next couple years or he's going to have some type of third down role. I think he's fine in a one-year scenario, but he's not be a, he, not, he would not be a guy, as much as I like his skill set, that I'd want to be actively going to get. In terms of the wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, stock down. I don't think he's ever fantasy relevant again. So he'd be a guy that if he comes back healthy, if he starts the year in the PUP and then comes back and has a couple early coming out pre-drip, I didn't think he had the separation quickness and athleticism to translate at the NFL. And while I thought he had good play strength and ball skills and could win at the catch point, I thought the athleticism and separation quickness was going to be a concern. And they think it was. And I think the Eagles did enough this offseason that they have big concerns that he's ever a big part of that offense. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I don't mind him for one year at the cost he's coming in redraft or best ball leagues. But again, if you're not a win now team in dynasty, I'd look to sell him. If you're one wide receiver, if you need some depth at wide receiver and you're a contender, I'd understand maybe going out and trying to get Deshaun Jackson on the cheap. I do think he could have a pretty good statistical year. Obviously, I'm not really talking too much about the rookies, Jalen Rager. I think the the ceiling is ridiculous there. And, and I've comped him and I talked to Matt Harmon about this a couple of weeks ago on here to a guy like Brandon Cooks. I think he could be that type of player uh, for the Eagles. So again, get him on any dynasty roster you could, uh, but we've talked about him a lot. In terms of the tight ends, Zach Ertz, I actually, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say slightly stock down. And the reason I'm going to say stock down is they have a lot of, they've added guys at the receiver position, right? You know, all that collection of rookies that the, that they drafted, they traded for Marquise Goodwin and, and all that stuff. So I do think that there is potentially, if Alshon Jeffrey comes back, if Deshaun Jackson is healthy, I could see a scenario where Zach Ertz gets a little bit less targets. I still think he's going to get a lot. He's a focal point in that offense. But in Dynasty, I'd always, I'm always under the belief I'd rather sell a year or two early than a year or two late. And if Zach Ertz can get me really good value right now, I'd be okay moving him. But it would have to be really good value because I don't know if we get at best case scenario, Zach Ertz has a repeat performance of last year, but I do could see him slipping a little bit. And part of that is because I'm stock up on Dallas Goddard. I think he's going to be a star when he gets his opportunity. How long do we have to still wait for that? I don't know. If they give Zach Ertz a contract extension, we may have to wait a really long time. And then maybe he's never going to be turned into the player that I think he could turn into. So that's kind of where I stand on the Eagles players. Let's round this out with the Washington Redskins. Uh, I'm going to say stock down on Dwayne Haskins. And here's why I'm going to say stock down. I like the player a lot coming out of college. What I saw last year was a little bit concerning, even with the, even with some better games to round out the season, still not that high on him. But what concerns me most is that they went out and got Kyle Allen and with everything going on in our country right now, is it possible Ron Rivera, if he's not happy with Dwayne Haskins, either in training camp or early in the season, does he make a move to Kyle Allen? So that would concern me who knows his system and he, he traded for him specifically from uh, Carolina. 
if that's the case, I remember Dwayne Haskins didn't have a lot of support with the Redskins organization besides the owner, Daniel Schneider. So he's obviously still there. But, you know, once they brought in Ron Rivera, Rivera might have said, well, listen, what if I'm not all in on Dwayne Haskins? Can I play someone over him? He might have got assurances from Daniel Schneider that he doesn't, that it's not mandatory that Haskins is his guy. And also, I think Washington's one of the worst rosters in the league. Who's to say they're not picking up the top of the draft next year? And do they pass on a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields? you know, because Dwayne Haskins was picked, you know, in the middle of round one last year. I'm not sure. So there's a lot to be concerned with. So if you still, if there's someone in your league who still is a believer in Dwayne Haskins and is willing to trade for him, I'm not opposed to trading him because I have some reservations with Kyle Allen there with lack of an off season and with how poor they can be of whether or not he's the long-term answer there. So, so that's where I'm, I'm, I'm stocked down on Dwayne Haskins, even though I'm not ready to give up on him. I think in terms of fantasy, there's a lot to be concerned about and he doesn't offer much in terms of athleticism and rushing ability at the wide, at the running back position. I'm stocked down on Darius guys. I think I have great concerns that he's ever amounts to a starting top 15, top 20 type fantasy running back. They, you know, they brought in, Lots of other guys, you know, Peyton Barber, they have Bryce Love, you know, does he come back from an injury? They drafted Antonio Gibson. They still got Adrian Peterson. If someone still looks and values Darius Geis as what we once thought he was going to be, I would get out now and, and trade him. I would. If someone's willing to give me a second round rookie pick, I take the second round rookie pick and I move on because I have concerns. You know, there's just depth chart concerns. There's pass catching concerns, and then there's the overall injury concerns, and on a poor team. So there's a lot stacking up against Darius Guy. So if someone still values him in terms of dynasty, you know, significantly, and still thinks he can be a really good running back, I would I would trade him. Like I said, for a second round rookie pick and move on at this point. The rest of the guys, I don't think they're worth talking about. Adrian Peterson, you know, not much left in the tank. Uh, Antonio Gibson, we've talked a lot. He's very intriguing, but it's hard to say. I'm not going to go through and say stock up, stock down on on guys who haven't even played it down in the NFL. And we've been talking about those guys for you know for months and months here at Saturday to Sunday. If we take this to the wide receiver position, Terry McLaurin, stock up, stock up, stock up, buy, buy, buy. He's on the verge of being a breakout wide receiver this year. Him, Calvin Ridley. Mecole Hardman are my three favorite dynasty buys in all of football. So, you know, if you're wondering who me personally is trying to buy in dynasty leagues, it's those players, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Mecole Hardman. Those are my three favorite buys. What he did last year as a rookie with that court, with that cast of, you know, at the quarterback position was was staggering his separation quickness again people weren't high on him pre-draft because he didn't have the market share numbers or the dominator ratings or any other metrics but if you watched him on film you came away impressed now i didn't i came away and i mentioned this to matt Harmon a couple weeks ago i thought he could be a young golden tape he blew by that year one blew by it this is a guy who can play outside inside he can win on just about every single type of route he can get vertical he can win after the catch He's going to get a monster target share this year. He's going to put up a monster statistical season, I believe, this year. And I think whatever the cost is right now, a year from now, his cost is going to be significantly higher. So I'd go out and I'd buy now because I think a year from now, you're going to be very happy that you did that. 
other wide receivers there. I think Steven Sims is a little bit of a stock up. I think he could be their number two pass catcher. And I think he's coming at a very cheap value right now. So I think he showed enough down the stretch. Again, I wouldn't be thinking he's a long-term guy, but I, I do think this year he could be a wide receiver four or five type in PPR, a guy you can plug in at the flex. Uh, and he's not costing much. Uh, Calvin Harmon, a guy who I loved pre-draft last year. Did decent for you know a sixth round rookie pick, thirty three catches, four hundred something yards. Unfortunately, just recently it was announced that he got injured and he's out the whole season. Uh, so again, it's hard to say a sixth round pick who loses the season due to injury is a guy that I want to buy in any league. So there could be some people who love Calvin Harmon pre draft and are willing to sit on him for a year even though he's injured. If so, I'd probably move him for that but i don't think he's going to bring back much so maybe you just stash him on ir and wait but he would not be a guy uh with that injury that i'd actively be going obviously also drafted antonio gandy golden we've talked about him a little bit intriguing guy more intriguing now with calvin Harmon there i think he's going to have some separation concerns in terms of the nfl similar to jj or sega white side the step up in competition uh from playing at liberty to the nfl uh, but he's going to get an opportunity probably to potentially start at some point this year on the opposite side of Terry McLaurin with Steven Sims in the slot. So he, he's going to get that opportunity. We'll see if his game can translate. At the tight end position, nothing of interest to talk about. Jeremy Sprinkle, uh, Logan Thomas is probably the most intriguing of the group, and nobody that I'd say stock up on. You know, nobody I'd be recommending to buy. So there it is, guys, the NFC East. This went a little bit longer than they're usually going to be because I, I talked a little bit in the beginning, you know, just kind of setting the stage for the next, you know, couple months here on Saturday to Sunday. But again, hopefully you like these, you know, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to the podcast, reach out on Twitter. If you have any specific questions about anybody that I didn't talk about, or you want me to go more in depth on a guy uh, that you have a question on, I, I, I love responding to just about every notification I see in my inbox on Twitter. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.